0: Flyin' around Little green peas From the ground Buttermilk biscuits Nice and brown Watch it steam and crack and pop Cornbread bacon in that stove Bring it to the TNC farm Table Pick them maters good and ripe Drop black and candy stripes Look at them loading down those vines Bring it to the TNC farm Table Bring it to the TNC farm Sable.
1: Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that mountain south Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. On the show today, we are setting the table with country ham and how through the dry age process and sliced paper thin, it is then called by that generic Italian name, prosciutto. Our guests on the show today are Alan Benton of Madisonville, Tennessee, He shares a story about how he learned what the word prosciutto meant and how he positioned his product to the world of fine dining. Now his prosciutto goes toe-to-toe with some of the most expensive and well-known high-dollar prosciuttos from all over the world. And Alan Mitten's dry-aged country hams are produced right down the road in Madisonville, Tennessee. I'll also share with you a delicious recipe for an easy make-ahead appetizer that I came up with and I named it Smoky Mountain Sushi. It is not made with seafood, but rather country ham and collard greens and black-eyed peas. It is a crowd-pleaser using regional ingredients. We will also hear an heirloom recipe and accompanying jingle written and performed by Chris Trulson of Bill and the Bells, which comes from the live Farm and Funtime radio show recorded from the birthplace of Country Music Museum and broadcast from Radio Bristol the guest for this Farm and Funtime heirloom recipe and jingle is storyteller Tony Marr on the topic of leftovers. Thank you so much for your good company here today. I really do appreciate you tuning in. Let's turn now to Alan Benton. Now, Alan does not advertise on this show. I just like to brag on him because he makes Tennessee proud. Let's hear in his own words this classic story where he shares how he was struggling as a business and he figured out what prosciutto was from a trip to the uh, fresh market one day and with the help of local chefs and restaurants he started getting his Smoky Mountain Country hams recognized and turned his business into the success that it is today. to ask you about prosciutto yours is every bit as good if not better as these high dollar european italian prosciuttos so what what are you doing over here in east tennessee alan what's your prosciutto
2: amy (laughs) when i first heard of prosciutto i hadn't been in the country hound business long and i would get a few native european customers in Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: i remember the first one that i ever heard i had some native spaniards they lived in miami they weren't cubans they were spaniards mm-hmm. they came with their family and their children are still customers of mine 41 years later they oh. still come here i treasure having them here they're an incredible family but uh they still live in miami and uh, they pulled up in my parking lot in a motor home and uh it was a man wife and their children and they purchased some hams went out and they stayed in the our parking lot for about an hour or more and they finally came back in and they told us that they'd been eating that ham and it made incredible serrano well i didn't know what serrano was i thought it must be some kind of a dish they're cooking i had no clue what they were talking about and but they said they were slicing it paper thin and eating it just like it was and I, i'd never heard of that of course i i was prone at, even at that time to slice bites of it and to and to eat it mm-hmm. but I'd have, later, I'd have people come in and say, this stuff makes incredible prosciutto. Well, I was just convinced that that was some kind of a pasta dish. <laughs> I, I was very, very backwards, had no clue. I'd never traveled and had no clue what prosciutto was. I
1: think that's the majority but, of us.
2: Well, but finally, mm-hmm. I can remember my children were young enough until they were all three in car seats in the back of my car. My wife and I had, were visiting a fresh market there in Knoxville. And I passed by the meat case, and I saw that word, P-R-O-S-C-I-U-T-T-O, as I passed by that meat case. And I took through three steps, and it hit me. I thought, what was that? Could that be that stuff that these people keep talking about? So I backed up, and I asked the fellow behind the case. I said, what is that? He said, that is prosciutto. I said, well, I'd like to buy some. And he said, do you want domestic or imported? And I, I was so backward, I didn't have a clue what domestic meant at that time, what he was even talking about. I thought, mm-hmm. well, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, domestic is $13.99 a pound and, and imported is $21.99 a pound. And I said, well, I certainly want domestic. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, whatever this was, <laughs> I wanted to try it. And I watched him shave what appeared to be a country ham took it out to the car and we got there and my wife handed the little paper back and said you kids want to try this so they handed the paper back up and it was all gone and we just laughed I literally did a U-turn in the parking lot went back in and told that fellow I wanted to buy a half pound of the imported and I bought a half pound I came out to the car and I tasted I said huh I said my aged ham is better than that my wife Sharon said what are you talking about I said, well, I said, that's nothing but country ham. And I said, I'm telling you, mine is better. I wouldn't let anybody taste it. I came back here, came back out to my business. I sliced up a little bit of my 12 or, I, I can't remember, I think it was actually about an 18 or 20 month ham. Took it home, put it side by side, and we t- I tasted it. And I said, mine is better. Well, my wife Sharon was a little skeptical, but she tasted both. And she said, huh, yours is better. I still didn't have a clue that I might market that, Amy. Uh, but we started using it at my house. I started trying to do a little research. How do you use this prosciutto? What do you do with it? And it became one of my three children's favorites snacks. And I kept some, you know, usually in the fridge for them. And they would snack on it. Their friends would come over, and they'd all snack on it. And when my oldest started to college at Maryville College, uh, she called me. She had taken back six or eight packs of it. It didn't have to be refrigerated. It was pretty shelf-stable, and she would taken it back to her dorm room. Well, about two or three days, she calls me. She said, Dad, she said, the kids in my dorm have flipped out over this stuff. She said, you need to be selling it. I said, well, Suzanne, there's no way that people are going to buy that stuff. She kept on, and she made me promise that I would try to slice one up and sell it. I thought, well, that's ridiculous. Nobody's going to buy this stuff. But the next morning, I came to work, and I sliced one up and packaged it into four-ounce packs. And I sold it all that day, Amy, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, I can't believe people will buy this. So I started selling some of it, just sliced thin like a prosciutto, there in my uh, sales room, and uh, had no clue that it would be, you know, such a big deal for us now. We sell quite a bit of it. People come in and uh, we don't, it's really, we don't call it prosciutto, we just call it Country M, which it is to me. Uh, I had a friend, he was a, one of my best friends I've ever had. I loved him like a family. Uh, he was a large fellow. Uh, his name was Eddie Griffith and such a an incredible fellow. And he was sitting on my bench in his bibbed overalls. And I talked about this to somebody that came in from some other part of the country. They were all enthralled about it. He looked at me and said, huh talk like you know all about that stuff he said I know how you were raised. he said you never ate that in your life <laughs> I said well now Eddie you're wrong I said I've eaten that since I was a little boy he said Psh. I said well I did I said we just didn't call it prosciutto we called it ham meat <laughs> oh, <I love> it. <laughs> and my grandparents we'd go out to the old smokehouse with the knife and shave a little off and get that and Mm-hmm. They would give us a treat of that cured pork like that from time to time. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's I'm lucky that the rest of the world has discovered. I for a long time, I fought a battle trying to get our name out there because people felt like if you wanted quality dry cured ham, it had to be imported. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amy, it was a it was a battle. In fact, a fellow, one of my customers in Philadelphia is called the Bruno Brothers. The buyer there, I ran into him in Oxford, Mississippi, and he said, I want to buy this to sell through my case. And bought some stuff. Well, about three or four weeks goes by, and he called me, and he said, you know, I had to learn how to sell this stuff. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, people would come in and ask for prosciutto, and I said, I got something I want you to try, this great ham from Tennessee. And he said they just turned their nose up, no, I want it." And he said he finally thought what am I gonna to do to get them broken from this habit and he said they can't they come in he said I have something I want you to try and he'd shave some up and let him try it and they'd say oh my what is that he said only then would I tell them that it was a product from Tennessee and uh, it's I still do business with them to this day uh, Uh, another place there in philadelphia that's a good customer of ours called julia silver we sell them a lot of stuff today they're a distributor there in philadelphia do a good job for us
3: Uh,
2: but i had no clue that there was a market for such a thing Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. now chefs have finally figured out that they can buy american-made country hams with a lot of age on it and they are used very nicely just like you would a european ham and Mm -hmm. Uh, we owe a lot of our success quite honestly to the talent of these chefs and the ingenuity that they bring uh, because they're the ones that got us the attention I'm just Mm -hmm. a hillbilly making ham and (laughs) bacon. Amy all I'm doing is what all of us here in this part of the country were doing in the backyard and I'm certainly doing it no better than my grandparents or most of their neighbors did it Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm so thankful that our home state has sort of adopted us. For a long time, we were much better known in places like New York or New Orleans or Napa Valley. Yes. And in the last five or six years, it seems like our home state has sort of adopted our products too. And I couldn't be prouder because if people in Tennessee say this is good, they know what it's supposed to be like. Then that's the ultimate compliment for it us is. for sure.
1: It absolutely is. And you're probably the most self-effacing person. You don't... Toot your own horn but uh it's it's part of your charm Alan that you're not conceited and it's it's really a pleasure to just know you and talk with you and see what you're doing and
2: uh. Amy I'm humble for a reason what I'm doing I just read that the founder of Chick-fil-a died and they he was being interviewed a couple of years ago and they Mm -hmm. talked to him about what he had done and what he created and he smiled and looked at him and he said look what I do is not hard. He said, it's easy. If it weren't, he says he couldn't have done it. That's the way I look at what <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing this no better than most of the, the, my fellow neighbors in this area have done. And uh, I'm very fortunate. I, Like I said, I owe a debt of gratitude to every chef in the country mm-hmm. uh, that's used our products. It all mm-hmm. started with um, Blackberry Farm, our neighbor nearby. Yes. Um, I couldn't repay the chef who there named John Flair. If I tried I couldn't repay Sam Bell and his family. Mm-hmm. If I tried, I owe them a debt of gratitude that's mm-hmm. mighty big. He opened my eyes as to ways that my products could be used. Mm-hmm. In fact I remember the first time they invited me up to have a meal at Blackberry Farm to show me what they were doing with the product. And I can truthfully tell you this, I shouldn't tell it but I will. It was fall of the year and I sometimes don't eat or eat very little. I just work right on and we're really busy and
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: was looking forward to that dinner I went up and they brought out A large shrimp Wrapped in my prosciutto Yum. And I looked at it And I thought that was the main course And I thought oh my I wished I'd stopped and had a hamburger On the way up I'm going to starve
1: <laughs> that's, a true, that's a
2: true story <laughs> That's
1: you know. funny
2: It's a true story but, Hi there. but after about seven courses And all that they had it Literally that one meal I would have to tell you Pretty much changed my world.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I was on my way to becoming a foodie without really knowing it. Uh, it changed the way that I thought about food and that I looked at food. And quite honestly, after eating that qu- kind of cuisine, it was hard to go back uh, to being my old self without thinking about it because it's pretty exceptional. I bad. Uh, absolutely.
1: You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and you've been listening to Alan Benton of Madisonville, Tennessee. He owns Benton's Smoky Mountain Country Hams, and he shared with us the story about how he figured out that his dry-aged country hams, sliced paper thin into prosciutto, could compete on a world stage in the arena of fine dining. His prosciutto competes with the most expensive and well-known European prosciuttos, and this is just another story of how Tennessee food makers make Tennessee proud. Links to Benton's Smoky Mountain Country hams, my upcoming recipe segment, and all of my guests with pictures are always on my website at tennesseefarmtable.com. And I'd like to share with you this easy appetizer recipe that I developed and named Smoky Mountain Sushi. It's an anytime appetizer with an Appalachian Smoky Mountain flair. Now this is not made with any kind of seafood, but rather dry-aged and thin-sliced country ham or prosciutto, along with sautéed collard greens and black-eyed peas. For this recipe, this yields approximately 20 rolls. Here are your ingredients. One bunch of fresh collard greens. You want the whole ones, not chopped up. Ten slices of prosciutto, which, is, which you can really find anywhere, but of course I like to use Allen Benton's. And black-eyed peas, either canned or cooked. And I prefer to cook mine so I can control the salt content. And all that depends on how much time you've got to devote to this. And here are the directions you want to triple wash the collard greens to remove all the sand and shake those out and set them aside on a dry towel don't worry about getting all the water off that's really not something that matters very much and uh, lay out all your ingredients on a work area or a large cutting board and look at each slice of prosciutto and cut it across the widest part so you end up with two half moon sheets per piece of prosciutto each slice of prosciutto will yield two rolls. Place one cup of prepared black-eyed peas out on your work area, and in the meantime heat one teaspoon of olive oil in a small saute pan, and quickly take your collard greens and with a paring knife take the veins out of the leaves, then chop your collard greens into little pieces, and quickly saute the collard greens in hot oil, but don't overcook them. You only need to sauté them maybe a couple of minutes on medium-high heat and remove them so they don't lose that beautiful, vibrant green color. Here's how you assemble these. On each one-half slice of prosciutto, place about a teaspoon of black-eyed peas and then a teaspoon of collard greens. Fold up the ends of the prosciutto to keep the stuffing contained and roll up like you would a little egg roll place the seam side down so they don't unroll and put them on a pretty dish and serve. These can be made well ahead of time like the day before and they're the kind of thing that you don't have to heat when you arrive at your destination. You just serve them room temperature and they're not real finicky. If you'd like to view a video online of me demonstrating this recipe on WBIR channel 10, I've included a link to this in the podcast notes at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And also, I've uh, placed the actual recipe there if you want to print it. So, good luck and enjoy.
2: This is Doug Walker of Walker Family Farms, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table.
1: And, Doug, where's that Walker Family Farms located?
2: It's located in Mount Vernon, Tennessee.
1: Good deal. Well, how about Miss Janie? Can you say too? This She's- is Janie Walker. I'm the farmer's wife of Walker Family Farm, and we set up at Telco Plains Farmers Market went Saturdays and Wednesdays, April through October. Then you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Up next is Farm and Funtime Heirloom Recipe and Jingle, recorded live from the Birthplace of Country Music Museum and broadcast from Radio Bristol. Storyteller Tony Marr on the topic of leftovers.
4: Leftovers, leftovers, taking up space. I open up my fridge and they all up in my face.
3: Food is at the center of our culture and is so important in the Appalachian region. It represents much more than what we eat. Food represents family, memories, history, place, and more. Our presenter this month is storyteller Tony Marr. Tony has spent years captivating audiences with his larger-than-life tales. As a, an award-winning speaker and storyteller, he is the 2018 Tim Penagos Storytelling Winner showcase, uh, showcase winner, three-time South Carolina Liars winner, uh, <laughs> National Story Slam finalist, and he also tours across the country telling his tales maybe not so much an heirloom recipe, but rather an heirloom warning. Tony is going to tell us a story about leftovers and the issues that arise when we forget about what's in the fridge. Please give a big farm and fun time welcome to Tony (coughs) Marr.
5: Thank you ladies. That, that may be the best intro that I've ever had. Thank you so much. So it is the holiday season. I know you're thinking no it's not. It's not the holiday season but it is the holiday season because by my watch there are still two days left for leftovers. Uh, they're so good for two. Days. Leftovers are one of the best parts of the holiday season, right? And the greatest time is that period after Thanksgiving but before Christmas, when you have all of the Thanksgiving leftovers and then all of the pre-Christmas cookies and candies and all of that. My mom makes the best Thanksgiving dinner. But this year, my parents decided that they were going to take a three-week cruise through Europe on the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So me being the eldest son, it was my responsibility to go over two or three times a week, check the mail, make sure that the plants got watered, and and all of that. So I'd pack my kids up, and we'd head over and spend some time at Grandma and Grandpa's house. Grandma and Grandpa have cable, so that that activity took (laughs) several hours, A couple weeks into this this job opportunity, uh, like happened most times when we arrived at grandma and grandpa's house, it didn't take but about five minutes before my kids came into the living room and said, dad, we are starving to death. So I said what I normally said, go check the pantry. My mom's pantry is like a supermarket. She has everything in that pantry that I never keep in my house, things like Yoo-Hoo's and and Slim Jim's and Little Debbie Cakes, things that my kids aren't allowed to eat, but at Grandma and Grandpa's house, anything goes. Problem is, it had been two and a half weeks, and the cupboard was bare. So I said to my kids, go check the fridge. They looked at me like I had just sent them on a suicide (laughs) mission. Now, there was good reason for this. You see, my mom's refrigerator was the place where leftovers went to die and were oftentimes, like Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead. (laughs) My mom's refrigerator was featured in an entire season of hoarders. This place, it is is a disaster. It's the thing of urban legends, if we're being honest. There was the great ketchup debate of 2016, Yeah, we were having a family barbecue, and my kids wanted ketchup for their hot dogs. And my mom said, Go get it out of the pantry. Out of the pantry. Mom, I said, refrigerator, it's supposed to be refrigerated. Ketchup needs to be refrigerated after it's opened. She said, no, it doesn't. Mom, it needs to be refrigerated. No, it doesn't. It's made out of tomatoes and sugar. Neither of those need to be kept anywhere but in the pantry, and so ketchup is fine. So I grabbed the ketchup, and I showed her her in big, bold words where it said, refrigerate after opening. Failure to do so may may result in, in severe bodily injury or even death so she took it and threw it in the fridge where it still sits to this day. There was the case of the Hidden Valley Ranch that definitely should have stayed hidden, but the one that we don't talk about very much at all is the tale of the cross-country croc. See, in 2015, we were having another barbecue and My kids wanted butter for the corn on the cob. My oldest daughter, Jocelyn, went in to get some out of the refrigerator, and soon I heard shrieks coming from the kitchen. I ran in to see what was happening. My daughter was curled up in the fetal position. All she did was point at the open container of country crock margarine sitting on the island. I looked at it, and I took a step back and gasped. I looked at the expiration date, which my mom thought was just a government conspiracy to get us to buy more food. (laughs) It had expired in 2003. (laughs) Now, the fact that my mom had 12-year-old margarine in her refrigerator is bad enough. But what makes it worse is that my family moved from our home in Las Vegas, Nevada, to Johnson City, Tennessee in 2005. (laughs) So my parents thought it prudent to pack and move two-year expired margarine 2,000 miles across this great country of ours. So when my kids looked at me with that look, they had reason to be scared. So me, being the paterfamilias, I got up from the lazy chair in front of the cable television, and I walked over and opened the refrigerator. I pulled out a casserole dish, and my kids looked at me, and I said, guys, I'm going to teach you a quick lesson how to decipher whether food is edible or not. There are three stages of mold that you need to know about. This is a life lesson with dad. Stage one is a seafoam green. It's nice and fuzzy and is is often confined to a small little space. You can just scrape that off and eat the food. It's no problem. Stage two. Stage two is multicolored like an Elton John suit and it contains more hair than David Hasselhoff. If you find this kind of mold on your leftovers, your best bet is just to toss it out. Now, you can scrape it off and try, but I don't recommend it. And then there's stage three. Stage three mold looks like something that comes out of a 1930s horror movie. It bubbles and it moans and it groans. And my kids looked at me and said, Dad, what if it's stage three? And just as they did that, that leftover casserole dish bubbled and gurgled I quickly grabbed it, threw it back into the refrigerator, slammed the door shut, leaned up against it, pushed my heels hard into the ground, and stared at my children, their impressionable eyes looking to me for answers. So I looked at them and said, grab your coats, we're going to McDonald's. Thank you guys so much.
3: Tony Mar, everybody. To hear more of his stories, visit Tony M-A-R-R dot com. Uh, delicious heirloom recipe. <clears throat> so, if you've seen Farm and Funtime before, you know there's always a second part to uh, the heirloom recipe segment, and that's the part where we write a jingle about what you just heard, and we're going to do that. This one came very naturally for me. This is a subject I'm very familiar with. Uh, we call this one Leftovers. C'est <coughs> bon
4: ever want to get my refrigerator back. Leftovers, here we go, time to take a chance. If I buckle at the knee, call an ambulance. Hey, hey. Leftovers, leftovers, taking up space. I open up my fridge and they all up in my face. Leftovers, leftovers, older each day.